The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Sox podcast. My name is Mike Rankin. I will be your host, joined as well by James Fox, senior editor at Future Sox. Our guest is first round draft pick, number 11 overall in the 2020 Chicago White Sox amateur draft, Garrett Crochet, left-handed pitcher from the University of Tennessee. Garrett, so good to speak with you. Congratulations on joining the Chicago White Sox organization, signing a contract early last week. We're so happy to have you. For sure. Thank you, Michael. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, thank you all for having me on today. So tell me, what was it like on draft night? What were the conversations like, and what were you feeling when you finally had your name called? Uh, leading up to the draft, uh, I mean, I knew that I had a good chance to go uh, at 11 where the White Sox were. So when that pick came up, that was kind of uh, the first time that I started to think, hey, I've, I've kind of got a chance to go here. And uh, so pretty much throughout the night, I was really just looking forward to that pick because I knew that's kind of when all, all the madness was about to begin. But it, it went pretty much better than I could have ever imagined. Uh, it was an experience that I got to share with a bunch of my family and a lot of my teammates and coaching staff. So it was something that I definitely enjoyed. So we'll get into, you know, your college career and what we had to look forward to as, as a Chicago White Sox in your case. But I want to take you back to, because you got drafted before, right? This is the second yeah. time you've been drafted and you were selected out of high school, but decided to you know, go to go to college. What went into that decision for you? Well, in, in high school, I was a pretty off-the-grid guy. I was a late bloomer, so a bunch of people didn't really find out about me until it was pretty late. And uh, so at that point, going to, into the draft was something that I had never even imagined or, or had even thought about. Uh, I was committed and signed to a junior college at the time, so I was kind of just looking forward to that path. But once the draft popped up, I, I started to receive some Division One offers. And uh, kind of like I said, I didn't think that I was very good back then, so it caught me off guard. So getting those Division One offers uh, also really helped to sway my decision. Garrett, you, you know, you talked about how once you got to draft day, you kind of thought maybe the White Sox were maybe the team that was going to take you at 11 there. But how about before that? When did you know, like I guess throughout the process, that the White Sox were a team that was interested? Uh, they were actually, uh, once all the quarantine Zoom meetings began and uh, that, that was starting to take off, they were actually the first team to reach out to me. And uh, most of the Zoom calls consisted of about four or five guys, uh, uh, just player personnel on the call. But th they had about 10 or 11 when I was on the call. And uh, there were some front office guys on there. So I knew that it was very important to them. And 
uh, it was definitely pretty important to me. So it was kind of at that point that I noticed uh, the mutual respect that I had for them that they had for me. And uh, that, that's kind of when I thought that it w- could be a possibility. So one of the things that people like to ask us about is, you know, obviously um, the late start to your season, you know, and we've kind of heard that described as, you know, something something minor with you and your coach just kind of held you out. How are you feeling uh, health-wise? And is that kind of an accurate description of how that went down? Um, yeah, I'd say it's pretty accurate. It, it was a, it was a minor hiccup, uh, something that, uh, kind of the way that you described it, uh, my coach was wanted to be pretty cautious about it. And, uh, that, that was kind of something that I, I had to just take in stride, but, um, no, it was a minor hiccup and I, I've been recovering well since, uh, my, my velocity has been the same and, uh, my pitch accuracy has been the same and everything pretty much has carried on business as usual. And I, I think that if the season would have continued, you would have seen that as well. So leading into this season, Garrett, you know, I know, I know across your college career, 13 of 36 appearances were as a starter. So the majority of, of your time was as a reliever out of the pen. But we were under the impression that as the junior year was getting ramped up for you prior to the shutdown, is you'd be in the rotation consistently with Tennessee. So I, I want to ask you what the difference was in your preparation from your sophomore year going into your junior year, that offseason season in order to get your body ready to prepare for that full season as a starter? Uh, yeah, the, the offseason uh, kind of differed just in the aspect of I, I knew that it was my year, so I kind of had it in the back of my head that I that I had to go. Instead of turning it up to a 10, I kind of had to go to an 11, I felt like, every practice because I, I kind of felt like that was just my role to fill. So I, I really feel like the preparation just differed in the aspect of I was taking my workouts a lot more seriously and, and I was really starting to learn how to push myself and how to actually put, put more weight mass on and uh, more, more lean mass, I should say. And uh, also my conditioning, I started taking it a lot more seriously because I knew that I was going to need to be in shape to, to go throw 120 innings possibly if we were to make it to Omaha. But uh, yeah, that, that's really the only way that it differed. I'd say that my mentality is uh, pretty much the same starting or relieving. So Garrett, let me take you back to your freshman year at, at the University of Tennessee. What was the expectation going in for you that first season? And talk me through some of the learning experiences and, and what it means to be an athlete playing at that level. What were some of the growth aspects that you went through? Uh, yeah, so I'll start with my expectations. I, I really feel like there, there were not a lot of expectations placed on me, but a bunch that I definitely placed on myself, which uh, probably ultimately led to my demise that year and led to my, my stats being a little poor in a lot of categories. But um, yeah, the, the jump the next year and, and mentality and uh, things that I had learned kind of just consisted of that, that I don't really have to kind of emasculate the guy, uh, the hitter uh, per se. I, I feel like before that was a big problem that I had was kind of being a little over eager. And uh, that, that's something that since then I've kind of honed in on. Uh, I'm a super competitor, and uh, sometimes that could uh, be a pro and a con for me, and kind of that's how it went my freshman year. So then you moved on as a sophomore, had more success, of course, but you saw a little bit more velocity, and it seemed like your your repertoire was coming together a little bit. Could you describe what you did in order to get to that point where you saw these jumps in your stuff across the board? Yeah, I feel like the main uh, thing that I developed was just better body control. I, I mean, coming in as a freshman, I, I got on campus and I was 6'3", uh, 185 pounds. And then my sophomore year, I got on campus and I was now 6'5", 210 pounds. So a, a lot of that weight that I put on was just weight that uh, allowed me to 
perform my mechanics a, a lot stronger and a, a lot more efficiently. And I feel like ultimately it, it just led to me getting down the mound in a more athletic fashion. And uh, I feel like that's kind of where the velocity came from. And I feel like that's where it's still coming from uh, as I continue to get it up there. Yeah. So I was just wondering how the difference was now that you have the type of repertoire, you know, worthy of the 11th overall pick compared to where you were your freshman year, sitting in the mid to upper 80s. Now you're dealing with upper 90s stuff with some really good breaking and off-speed, you know, secondary pitches. So how, I guess, is your approach in handling that as opposed to what you had a part of your arsenal as a freshman? Yeah, a lot of times uh, as a freshman, I, I felt like I was kind of obligated to mix up my pitches a lot more than I needed to. And I, I felt like ultimately it, it kind of would lead to inconsistencies in my slider because I would kind of try and force it in counts where I shouldn't do it. And uh, now being able to throw as hard as I do, I feel like there's some counts where I would normally throw an off speed, but I can kind of get away with throwing the heater, which is something that I like to do. I, I like to attack guys and I like to get on guys early in the count. So I'd say that's the main aspect. Uh, it's really just I can throw a lot more fastballs and uh, miss more barrels with them than I used to be able to. And uh, also, I'd say my secondary offerings are able to play a lot better off of it just because it's coming so fast. Yeah, so speaking of those secondary offerings, how would you describe like how your changeup is looking right now? I mean, obviously, it's not a pitch that you featured a ton. You were fastball slider, but is that something that – you know, that you're going to need to have success against righties in either the minors or the pros? Yeah, I feel like that's something that I was missing my entire college career and had never really fooled around with. But uh, Before getting to college, I'd never thrown a changeup before, so it was, it was a pretty big work in progress that I, that I kind of delayed until sophomore year. And uh, at that point, there, there was still not much feel that I had for it, and I still wasn't very consistent with it, so it's definitely not what it is now. And that's kind of why I only went to the trials last year and didn't play in the Cape was so that then I could live in Tennessee and continue to work on those little things and just little minor tweaks that I needed to do to my changeup because I knew that that's the pitch that would make me the elite pitcher. So, you know, we've talked, you know, about your ascension kind of from showing up on campus and throwing 85 to what you are now. When, you know, when did you kind of know to yourself, hey, you know, I might, I might be good enough to be, you know, like even a first round guy or like a top 15 type draft pick? Um, I kind of started to notice it uh, towards the end of my freshman year, but I'd be lying if I told you I believed it. I, I mean, I, I realized that I was good enough to perform at that level, and uh, I knew that I was going out there uh, a few Fridays a, a week, uh, and at that time, there would be a lot of juniors that I was facing up against. So I, I kind of knew from the beginning that I that I had the stuff to play at that level, but it wasn't really until going into my into my junior fall to be honest with you that I developed that true confidence I mean coming off the of team USA I, I knew that I had received that invite and it kind of just gave me a lot of confidence in my ability and a, just a lot of overall uh, I feel like it influenced me positively I just felt like that was something that allowed me to make that jump to give me the true com confidence that I had needed. Could you take us through your experience in uh, in the team USA what about it made you so confident in ascending to that next level? Um, the main thing that I was, uh, that, that it was for me was just getting out there and being on the same field as guys that they considered future first rounders and, uh, guys that had all this praise that I hadn't really received much of before. So kind of at that point I, I had went out there and I, I threw two outings and, uh, I, I didn't give up a run. And, uh, so it was kind of at that point that I realized that I could hang with these guys. And that was also, uh, probably about a month and a half after undergoing jaw surgery. So to be able to do it, uh, in that sort of 
form was kind of uh, just meant a lot to me, knowing that I could still compete out there, uh, even going through adversity. Yeah. So, oh man, I hate to bring this up, but the jaw injury. You got what? So what exactly happened? You got hit, and you ended up uh, coming back a week later to pitch in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. So it was the last SEC series of the year, and uh, I think it was that Saturday. I got hit with a comebacker line drive on the changeup, actually, and uh, I had stabbed at it with my glove, but he had capped it a little, so it was coming a lot slower than I had imagined. And uh, so I kind of stabbed at it and whiffed, and it hit me in the face. Uh, came off the field, didn't really think it was anything too seriously. I, I just thought I had some loose teeth and, uh, I was kind of ready to go back out there until, uh, the blood was kind of too much for us to stop. So, uh, my trainer sent me over to the hospital and, uh, it was actually a week after the surgery. I, I was com- competing in scrimmages, but, uh, two weeks after was the actual playoff event. Yeah. Okay. So we had, well, 672 score had Don Cooper, uh, pitching coach, the White Sox on, and he commended your toughness and referenced, uh, you know, that instance. So and I guess that leads me to the question of, you know, who within the White Sox organization have you been in touch with? Uh, and is there anybody, you know, player wise that you've been talking to ever since your draft pick? Uh, yeah, I've, I've been in touch with uh, Chris Getz and, uh, and that's really pretty much it. Uh, and Mike Shirley, I, I haven't really talked to that many people within the organization just because I, I feel like this is just a weird time for everybody. So uh, the communication process is kind of a uh, just a little side swipe than it would be usually. But um, I've had a few players reach out to me. Uh, Nikki Delmonico and Yasmani Grandal reached out to kind of just congratulate me and welcome me to the team. And uh, that was pretty nice. Just that those guys were paying attention and uh, took the time out to send that to me. That was pretty nice. So you said that you were healthy. Are there What are the specific workouts that you're doing now trying to maintain, obviously preparing for what could be a 60-game season that you may be a part of? Right. Uh, yeah. So the workouts I'm doing right now, they're, they're very similar to the workouts that I did in college uh, during the season. Uh, so it's just three lifts a week with the main lifts being uh, front squat, back squat and dumbbell bench press. And uh, but they're they total out to be about 35, 40 minutes lift when it's all said and done. But I'm doing that along with throwing two bullpens a week and playing catch six to seven days a week, uh, just like I would in a normal season. So, Garrett, obviously, you know, you pitched a lot in relief in college. You were slated to start this season. The White Sox took you with the 11th overall pick, I think, with the intention of you becoming a starter. Do you see yourself as a starting pitcher long term? Yes, 100 percent. I think that uh, the development of my changeup is uh, really what makes me see myself as that. Um, Before, uh, I feel like we kind of touched on earlier, but not not that much. But um, before in my sophomore year, kind of going back to when it was – not that good of a pitch at all. It was kind of just a different offering to throw over the plate and keep the hitters off balance. But but now it's got good fade and good two-seam action to it that I, that I think will help keep the right-handed bats off balance. And then I feel like when I pair that with my slider breaking into a righty, I feel like it, it's pretty untouchable. And uh, that that's just how I feel about it. And uh, with the development of the changeup also coming along the left-handed hitters, I, I feel like I'll be able to effectively start and uh, definitely just staying consistent with strikes and uh, just – getting outs as quick as I can, I feel like would be the ultimate, uh, the ultimate challenge there to stay consistent. Yes. I mean, it's obviously going to be a weird season. We don't know who's playing where and when, you know, even though you want to be a starting pitcher long-term, would you be interested in pitching in relief at first if it gets you to the majors quicker? Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm open to doing whatever the White Sox choose for me to do. Um, I, that's what I kind of told a lot of teams when we were going through this draft process is kind of just making sure that people know that I'm open to both. Uh, I would, 
definitely prefer to start. And I feel like that's kind of what my body uh, looks more like as a, as a starter. But I feel like uh, my stuff and my mentality both play at uh, in both roles. So, yeah, I'm just pretty much going to do whatever the White Sox want me to do, whether it be start or leave. I'd like to think that I'm prepared for both. Looking back at your college career, a total of 132 innings. And it seems to me that you still have a lot of life left in, in your left arm. How do you think that relates to your health? Do you believe you have a lot left in the tank considering, you know, you didn't have that huge workload across your college career? Yeah, yeah. I like to think I do. I, I feel like I kind of missed out on some some valuable experience though, with my, my inning count being lower than most draftees typically are. But um, ultimately, yeah, I, I feel like my arm's been fairly healthy my entire college career up until this past uh, spring, which I kind of attribute just to overworking, really getting ready for the getting ready for the draft and that minor tweak kind of just set the alarm off and kind of scared me a little bit. But yeah, I I feel like I definitely do have a lot of, a lot of pitches left in me. And uh, that's why I'm kind of hoping for the taxi squad to come up just so I can get back out on the field and compete and show that. This is really good stuff, Gary. I really appreciate the time. A couple more and we'll let you go. Uh, One of the things that I guess I have in mind is, is have you been to Chicago? Have you, you know, experienced the city at all? Have you been anywhere? Have you tried the pizza and all that good stuff? Uh, yeah, I actually went, uh, what is it now? Probably a week and a half, two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I actually went and uh, the Friday that I was there, I actually spent just walking for about three hours just around downtown. And I actually didn't snag any pizza because there, there were some restrictions going on with uh, the whole COVID deal. But um, I went to RPM Steak. It was incredible. And uh, just just walking around and seeing all the scenery, it was definitely better than I, everybody had told me, and they had talked it up a lot. So de- definitely a place that I enjoyed visiting. Yeah, so you know, you like you said, you were in town last week for that. Um, are you, you know, not to give all your secrets away here, and you obviously aren't going to spend all of it. Are, are you thinking of buying something cool with part of your bonus, maybe something small? <laughs> uh i would have i definitely would have if uh the signing bonus wasn't being yeah. delayed if uh, you got the whole thing i know yeah, yeah <laughs> no, i would have done something pretty silly buying something definitely that i wouldn't have needed but uh no i'm probably just going to go with the car for now and uh, kind of just wait until the rest plays out so you you also mentioned the taxi squad and obviously you know you haven't heard and we're not going to hold you to that that's something that you're you're hoping to be one of those 60, I'm assuming, even if even if you don't get in games this year, you'd be with Major League staff and some Major League players? Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like it would be good just to kind of be right under their microscope and have them watching my every move. And at, at the same time, I feel like just being around those big league guys, uh, uh, their experience is definitely invaluable in comparison to mine. And I feel like just being around them, picking their brains and kind of seeing how they go about their business would help me tremendously. What type of mentality do you provide and what are the White Sox getting in what you bring to the table in terms of your skill set, your work ethic, and character? Uh, as far as mentality goes, I like to think that I'm a bulldog on the mound. Uh, that, that's just kind of the, always been the way I've described it. But by that, I mean my, my mentality just kind of consists of I'm not going to lose to you. And there's nothing that the hitter could do to beat me. Uh, the only way that I'm getting beaten is if I beat myself uh, by making a bad pitch. Uh, when I'm up on the mound, I feel like my stuff is completely and entirely unhittable and uh that, that's kind of just the way I like to think about it but uh in terms of work ethic and character if you would ask me about my work ethic my freshman or sophomore year I probably wouldn't have had a good answer for you but uh now uh since I've been grinding this entire fall to become the 11th pick overall pick 
uh, now I'm kind of grinding to uh, make my MLB debut and then eventually uh, be a Cy Young Award winner and hopefully a Hall of Famer. So uh, the work's definitely not done. I definitely know that I still have a lot to put in, and I'm looking forward to that. And as far as my character goes, uh, I, I like to think that I'm a good clubhouse guy, and I hope my coaches and teammates would say the same. I, when I'm in the dugout and in the locker room, I kind of just like to keep things loose and keep everybody uh, high ener- highly energized and uh, kind of just keep everybody going. Well, that's really good to hear, man. Congratulations on everything. Really good stuff. Thank you. Again, thanks so much for taking the time to, to talk to us. Last one, and I'll let you go. What do you know about the Chicago White Sox organization? What's your perception of the franchise as you enter the club, obviously for the first time uh, in your professional career? Yeah, there, there's not really much that I know about the White Sox, especially being from Southern Mississippi, grew up a Braves fan. So, uh, there's definitely a lot that I'm excited to learn. Uh, hopefully, uh, they'll be able to teach it to me uh, here soon. That's Garrett Crochet, first-round pick of 2020, number 11 overall. Garrett, great stuff. Good luck this year. Stay Thank healthy, you. and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. For sure. Sounds good. Thank you all for having me. For James Fox and Garrett Crochet, my name's Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Future Sox Podcast. You can check us out on iTunes, Anchor, also Spotify, Google Play, All that good stuff. Thanks one more time to Garrett Crochet, left-handed pitcher out of University of Tennessee, now Chicago White Sox. We'll talk to you all next time.